Welcome back to Range Anxiety for your midweek session. I'm your host, Martin Donnan, and I'm here to give you your 24 minutes of automotive expertise. Uh, gathered over 30 years in this midweek, uh, and uh, yeah, what an intro track that was. Who remembers Knight Rider, Michael Knight, with his beautiful haircut, superb butt cut he had, and his wonderful car, Kit. Kit could talk, Kit could jump, Kit could do everything. Kit was a computer car. And like all American um, sci-fi cars of that era, it was just some square old piece of shit that they put a few badges and buttons and all sorts of complexity in the interior of. And who would have thought that some 40 years later that, uh, or not even that long probably, well, maybe it was, I don't even know. Um, that all of that crap would be gone and uh, simpler the better. Well, there you go. So life has become more simple in some ways. One thing Kit could do, I believe, which cars still can't do today, is drive itself. Now, a lot of people tend to get frustrated with the concept of self-driving cars. Oh, it takes away the skill and I, I only get in my car to drive it and all that sort of stuff. Look, the majority of you cannot drive, right, at all. I see that, and I'm not talking about my listeners, my fans, flogs and flat earthers, because you are, if you are listening to this epicast, you can more than likely drive okay, because you're into cars, you know, they turn you on. But most people on the road cannot drive at all. Um, and we have a road system that is specifically designed around bags of meat and their brains, i.e. people, or lack of brains, driving their two-ton piece of metal on its surface and being able to do so without colliding, you know, without smashing into each other and killing each other. But unfortunately, it still happens. Humans are pretty stupid things. Clever in some ways, quite dumb in others. So let's have a look at what happens when a human drives a car. Now, this is a very, very, very complicated field that requires a lot of education that I simply don't have and a lot of understanding and uh, brain processing power that I simply don't have, but it does interest the living shit out of me. I don't know why, it just does. It may not interest you. If it doesn't, turn off now. If it does, then keep listening because this will be quite an interesting technical epicast. Now, let's have a look at the way a human drives a car. We have our actuators, which are our hands and feet, and our neck, I suppose, to some degree, because we turn around. And we have our vision system, which is our eyes, and then we have our uh, biological neural network, our processing system, which is our brain, when it works. So we read things off the road, or that are happening around us, but we put them into our brain for processing. Our brain processes them at a really good frame rate too, you know, that we get from our eyes. It's, it's, it's a brilliant frame rate. Um, and our brain processes them fairly slowly, depending on your brain, but compared to a machine, very, very slowly. And uh, then send signals to the actuators, your arms and legs, to make the car do what it wants to do. So all of our roadways are set up with lines, lights, things that are designed to be processed by our neural net, our brain. If roads were designed for self-driving cars, they would be totally different. But uh, they're not, and we have 100 plus years of infrastructure in our existing biological meat bag roads, we'll call them. So whatever car manages to ever drive itself has to 
uh, be able to deal with the way a bag of meat works. Right, so let's have a look at how self-driving works. There is no true self-drive system at the moment. Um, people will be putting their hands up in the back of class here going, um, what about Waymo? Waymo are a company in the US that do autonomous pickup and delivery like an Uber of you and people and be able to drop you off to certain places, but they can only do it if the roads are mapped. They can only drive on certain roads. They can only uh, do certain things and go certain routes, and they need this most incredible, complicated, code-driven bit of software and, and hardware actuators to make this all happen, that it's, it's oh, I mean, it works, but it's basically pointless in a way. So there are two there are two types of systems that are used to simulate a human in a car or our vision system. One is LiDAR, which is a radar-style technology or LiDAR technology uh, that can see a long way down the road in front of you or wherever the sensor is placed or sometimes spinning around on the roof on some of these Waymo-type devices. But unfortunately, what LiDAR does is it can tell there's an image. It can tell that it's this far away it can sort of, to a degree, but not really tell what size it is. Um, and it can signal the car to do various things. That's LiDAR. All it knows is it could be a person laying on the ground, or it could be a part of a car laying on the ground. To LiDAR, it's a block. So it's pretty useless. But what LiDAR can do is it can see through things in front of it, right? So that if there's a car in front of a car in front of a car, uh, LiDAR can see through that and it can also see through bad weather. So it does have some application. The other way of mimicking a human and our optic vision-based driving system is with a vision-based driving system. Now, Tesla do this. They used to just have, uh, they used to have vision plus LiDAR or vision plus radar in the cars where the, the My Model 3 Performance has a radar sensor in it. So it can, it can see out of the cameras and it can also see what other obstacles are around in front of the vehicle and make decisions that way. Humans don't do that, right? Where LiDAR is, it has some advantage, like I said, is in low vision. And unlike cameras or your eyes, LiDAR doesn't get bleary or dirty. So it does have some technology, you know, some, some at a, some point. However, Tesla have thrown it all in the bin and are going vision-based only. So let's, let's see how that compares. Firstly, some of the self-drive systems that are around right now, I'm not familiar with all of them. They're ADAS, they're all ADAS, it's known as Advanced Driver Assist, and there are different levels of ADAS depending on you know, how much autonomy you have and da-da-da-da-da, but I'm, I'm not really interested in ranking these things as being ADAS sensitive or, or ranked in any way. Uh, have a look at Mercedes system, Distronic, over all of its generations. It's LiDAR-based, and yeah, it's essentially radar cruise, and it, it can pull up and it can take off and do stuff like that. That's pretty cool. Um, some of their later iterations, I believe, or I don't know, Audi have it, they have some sort of uh, lane assist system where you know it can kind of see some of the lane markings and try and correct the steering wheel um, to keep the car in lane, which is a little bit harder than you think. And apparently it does an okay job. Then there's uh, Blue Cruise, some of the some of the GM and, and Ford-based systems that only work 
on certain roads that have been mapped for it. You know, like you can use your adaptive crews or your radar crews on this highway or this highway or this highway, but you can't really use it anywhere else. And when, as in Waymo's case, when uh, the machine is mapped or the machine is specifically programmed to work on certain roadways and taught every single iteration of that certain roadway, it can actually work quite well, or to a degree, quite well. But it's such a simplified way of doing it. Imagine if you taught your child how to drive, they're old enough to drive, some of yours are, some of them, you know, mine are, but you only taught them, you wanted to make them a perfect driver, so you only taught them to drive on four roads. What happens when they've got to go somewhere else? They've got to get someone else to drive them because they simply don't know what any of the other road markings on other roads mean or they don't know the width of the road or they don't know the speed limits on the road because they have to be told. It's essentially they're blind, right? And this is the way other adaptive cruisers that I've seen work. They're either distance-based, distronic, or when they try some sort of ADAS self-driving, they're limited because they are incapable of learning themselves. So let's have a look at the way Tesla does it. They've bitten off you know, a, a big lump here um, because they try and treat the car or the, the self-drive computer or the FSD computer as it's called as a human, right? It doesn't know specific roads. It's being set up so that it can drive on any road at any time make decisions and more to the point once it's made the decisions learn from them and this is the cool bit because what happens is that once the computer starts to teach itself at the moment that's being done remotely by the supercomputer in Fremont or wherever it is in the US once the computer becomes to uh, comes to teach itself or starts to teach itself everything changes because there doesn't need to be some bag of meat with a biological brain writing lines of tricky code to try and teach it things. The machine that created the machine writes the code to improve the machine and the iterations of this and the bandwidth with which it can happen or the sheer number of cycles is staggering. So what could be cumbersome and crap uh, six months ago, suddenly turns into something uh, that is pretty darn good. Now, I remember this has all been happening slowly, but it's an exponential Y equals X squared kind of output as the machines start to learn. I was there when that all of that kicked off with the original autopilot system on Tesla, and, you know, it would self-drive to a degree in lane keep. We don't get proper self full self-driving in Australia because ScoMo reckons we can't be trusted with it. We just got to be good little boys and girls and get in line and get tested. Um, but I was there from the early days of autopilot and it was cool to a degree on some pretty uh, average roads, but it still drove like a drunk 12 year old. You know, it wasn't smooth and it wasn't fluent in any way and it would uh, phantom brake and do stuff like this. And I remember when I first experienced it, I thought, this is pretty shit, who's gonna use this? But with every software update, and we get about, I don't know, six to 10 a year over their updates with Tesla, it slowly got better and better. Even though they don't tell you they're updating the autopilot software, I had specific test roads where I knew every time at this point with this amount of shadow on the road, the car would fan a brake. And slowly that got better 
and better to the point now where it doesn't happen. So something has changed. And they don't tell you in the release notes, hey, there's a full self-drive or, or a autopilot hardware and software, you know, sorry, software update. They don't tell you that. It just happens. Smart asses like me know that because we test for all of the faults on certain types of roads because it interests us. So how does it work? Well, Model 3 Performance I'm sitting in right now has the current gen full self-drive computer in it, autopilot computer. It tells you on the dash when you go in there that it's got the, the right hardware. It also has eight cameras, right? So a human only has two. A human has two cameras with reasonable peripheral vision, but you can never trust our peripheral vision. But apparently, according to something I heard the other day, it's not even there your brain actually paints the colour into the corner of your eyes. That's, that's including to Elon Musk. So when you, you're standing, you're sitting there in the car looking straight ahead and you can see colour in, in your real peripheral vision, if your eyes are still that good enough, you can't actually see that. That's something that your brain's filling in the blanks for and processing for you. You know, the human eye apparently has a very, fairly narrow focus. Now, I'm, I'm no apology expert. But what we do know is instead of having two high-resolution cameras of narrow focus, i.e. our eyes, the vehicle has eight. So it can see out the back of its head the whole time, it can see out the sides of its head, and it can see out the front. It can see everywhere. So it does a lot better job than a human in that regard. Here's where it starts to get tricky, though, because the human feeds... Okay, when we feed, let's say we see a dog run across the road. The human brain automatically recognises that as a dog or it'll first say depending on your distance and the light situation there's something small on the road it's not a human it's an animal it's a, it looks biological because it's moving across the road and not in a way a vehicle would be traveling that's the first thing our brain does and then we'll double take it again and say well that must be that's either a dog or a cat and then eventually as we get closer we will be able to recognize whether that is a dog or that is a cat now how do we do that we do that because we have this massive database in our head of what makes the dog or the cat. Now, say it's a fox, and when we first see that, we go, is that a dog or a cat? I think it's a dog, it could be a cat. Error. Oh, it's a fox. Why? Because we've seen the error before. The first time we saw a fox cross the road, we didn't know whether it was a dog or a cat, and all of a sudden we were told that's a fox, or we realised it when we were scraping it off the front of our car. So we put that as an error condition into our head. So we'll this now, as a more experienced than ad adult, that we've seen this, we'll go dog, cat, fox. Okay, fox. And we know that a fox is, normally runs at a certain speed and is capable of doing this, that, the other, you know. Right. But how the bloody hell does a computer do that? The computer does that with a massive database that's constantly being filled, just like our heads are filled. Now, you look at, you know, uh, we've got all these high-resolution cameras in our head, our eyes, and you have a look at our brain's, you know, processing speed isn't super good compared to a machine. We're pretty slow in some ways. But before we can get in a car, we have to have 16 years or 18 years, wherever it is, wherever you may be, of experience looking at things, uh, determining what they are and building the database. Now we're trying to do this, or Tesla are trying to do this across the space of a couple of years. They're trying, and then again, most people aren't that good at, good at it anyway. You know, some are smarter than others. Some's brains work better than others. 
But Tesla are trying to do this in two or three years to the point where the vehicle will self-drive, right? It's got to work out what all of these cases, what all of these obstacles are. And if you drive a Tesla, you'll see wheelie bins come up as wheelie bins now. Orange cones come up as orange cones on the screen. Trucks come up as trucks. People come up as people. You know, the cyclists come up as cyclists. And it also knows how to read the road markings too, like arrows and pedestrian crossings. It draws them on the screen. So it's learning, right? With every update, it's learning. But that's nothing what autopilot does compared to full self-drive because that's designed, unlike every other system out there, that's designed to be plonked in the middle of nowhere on roads it's never seen before and drive them just like you would or you would try to. It will try to. Now, it's not perfect, but it is bloody good because it keeps continually teaching itself. Now, it doesn't automatically teach itself where the car learns and programs itself as an individual car. There are so many edge cases being sent in or being gathered by head office in um, Fremont and by the supercomputer there that everyone gets the update. So roll out different betas, FSD beta, you might have heard of it, maybe not, or beta versions of the software so that everyone's car learns from everyone else's car. And this rapidly speeds up the process and the fact that there's all of this data being collected day after day, month after month, and being stuffed into one of the biggest, fastest supercomputers in the world, being chewed on, munched on, and then spat back out in the form of code updates is pretty darn good. And it means that the rate of the machine learning and acceleration is going to go exponential over time. And I think this is what this is what they're saying. Um, you know, people, you know, self-appointed experts in the auto industry are saying Tesla will never do self-driving because now the system's really clunky. But factor it being 20 times as good within a few months. And this is what we're going to begin to see. Constant rolling out of updates once it's out there in the wild. Constant rolling out of updates that exp exponentially make the cars better till within I would pick 18 months and I know I'm being a bit ballsy here and there are guys like Sam Cass that will take me to task on this within 18 months full self-drive will be able to drive better than your average street driver you know like your median road driver FSD will definitely be better sure it's going to have some trouble in edge cases that it hasn't seen before like for example I can screw up autopilot driving in a single lane and then there can be an offset lane divider coming up and it will shake its head like a motorbike shaking its head determining which lane it wants to go in until it makes a fairly brutal choice to do that. That is an error and that needs to be addressed which is being addressed with an autopilot outside of US update uh, in March. That's a bit gnarly um, and I noticed that's only happened in the last couple of updates. FSD, full self-drive, on the other hand, is programmed specifically to be fluent because nobody likes jerky drivers. You know, we've all had that Uber driver that goes throttle brake, throttle brake, throttle brake, throttle brake, and they're driving along a flat piece of road. And you think, could you just stop and learn how to drive, you dickhead? You know, I, I, I feel that. <laughs> and I've seen it a few times. And the original autopilot was a little like that, but now FSD, I haven't been in an FSD beta car because I haven't been allowed outside the country for a while. I will go and I will check it out. So I can report back to you as soon as I can. But apparently it's quite fluent and quite smooth. And there are people 
putting up videos on the net of zero interventions over interventions, i.e. the driver having to take control because full self-drive is going to do something totally stupid. Um, you know, there are all these drives that are like 50-mile drives where the car parks itself, goes through complex situations, complex roads, uh, edge decisions. In America, uh, left-hand turns, which are like our right-hand turn against the traffic, and it does pretty bloody well. Now, no one, I don't care who they are, has got a system anywhere near this. And the autonomy thing is, you know, it, it's such, so complex. It requires so many programmers. It requires so many teams and so many lines of code that anyone else that wants to try it because they've poo-pooed it for the last, you know, six or seven years as a pipe dream. Anyone that wants to try it, they're all starting to try it now, is at least because all the best software brains in this department are essentially gone and working for one company, they're at least eight to 10 years behind in that level of autonomy. Now, there are people that are gonna say, who wants a car that can drive itself? You know, but imagine, and this is all part of uh, progress and, and, you know, just being a smart human. Imagine being able to take your car to the racetrack, being able to thrash it around all day at a track day, have fun, drive the car basically in a full analog fashion and then when you're flogged out and you're on the way home from the racetrack because normally as a rule if you've been at a racetrack you normally speed on the way home because your stupid meat bag body and biological brain gets confused and it gets all of its limbic responses wrong and it it doesn't understand that you you're not you're not supposed to go that fast anymore so you know you'll be doing 80 in a 60 zone and stuff like that and go oh, oh shit i'm speeding imagine me going to say all right i'm in racetrack mode still bank car drive me home and it does it and it does it perfectly and you can sit there and you know obviously pay attention because you know that's what we all do we pay attention when we're driving and you know i wouldn't suggest that you go through your gopro footage <laughs> while you're sitting there while a car's self-driving maybe one day um and yeah it, it just makes perfect sense and it's the same with gnarly traffic situations stupid traffic jams who you know people i want to drive my car myself i don't want a car that drives for me well who enjoys driving in stop go bumper to bumper traffic certainly not me it's not very enjoyable right <laughs> and if you can take that part of driving a car out of your driving equation you know struggling around in traffic having to you know just the shit if you can take the shit part of driving away and let the car do it and just do the good part of driving which is you know grabbing the steering wheel using the brake uh, enjoying the car going for a cruise in the hills if you can do all of that then i think that you've won and that's what it's all about uh, you know look this is not not everyone's gonna agree with me and, and quite frankly uh, i don't give a shit it, it's my epicast and this is what i actually believe in and this is where i think the future of autonomy and self-driving is not making everyone a vegetable that can't drive their car anymore but allowing people to make decisions when they want to drive the car because they enjoy driving the car not because they have to drive the car now that's what autonomy is all about and that's what machine learning is all about nobody is doing it yet apart from one company and we all know who that is so stay tuned if people found this interesting let me know by giving me feedback to dtech d-t-e-c-h at s-e-net s-e-n-e-t 
www.technicalrangeanxiety.com.au. And thank you for listening to A Technical Range Anxiety.